0: This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. We got the whole crew joining you here today: David, Brady, and Jordan joining you here today. We're going to be talking about some uh, Georgia State quarterback starter news, as well as doing a little bit of defensive positional preview, and then get into talking about uh, Georgia State's home opener up against. Louisiana uh, coming up this coming Saturday. But uh, let's get into the actual timely news. So uh, Quad Brown is in as the starter for week one of the Panthers. Um, This wasn't really a surprise for us, but I'm interested to hear your guys take on it.
2: Yeah, this is what we expected. And I guess I was the only thing I had said was maybe that he was going to hold these cards until as long as he could. But it came out the week before the game. So obviously he wasn't interested in like playing the who's going to start game. Like he wanted to name quad, the starter, you got it out there and
3: the world's quads oyster right now. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what uh, quad can do. Um, you know, obviously he got some, a little bit of time last year in the wake of Dan's injury. And, you know, I think a lot of people will want to draw conclusions based on that very small sample size, but I encourage people not to, um, and I'm, I myself am interested to see kind of what steps he has taken in the offseason and where he is in his development. You know, I got to see him up close and personal at Western Michigan last year. Um, you know, obviously it was a blowout game. There wasn't really much quad was going to do. You know, I, you can't really take much from that game. And you can say the same thing about his time at when he played against ULM and then App State. Um, but the coaches like him, teammates like him, as we discussed last week, you know, he kind of moved back to his – His number from high school, um, you know, he seems like he's much more comfortable this year and just kind of seeing what people are saying on social media about him. It really seems like he is ready to take the reins for this Panther offense and run with it. So I'm excited to see what he can do.
2: Yeah, and we talked about the quarterbacks during our offense preview last week, so I don't want to take up too much time with this, but I would just end by saying something that caught my ear Listening to coach Elliott this week in his media remarks was that he was saying that quad was more of a runner than maybe even quad knew or something to that effect in the remarks. And that that's interesting because he didn't really get the same type of design run plays in his short time in the games that he played last year. And it didn't seem like he was necessarily cut from the same cloth as Dan Ellington as a quarterback. So it's, Encouraging, given that we know that Coach Glenn likes that as an option in his offense to have the quarterback run the ball. So I was it, it piqued my interest to hear that, and I'm interested to see on Saturday what that translates to as far as what the play calls are for him. Feels like it's opening up even more opportunity, and we're going to see something like the playbook we saw last year.
3: Yeah, that'll be fun, and you know that'll be. Weird to kind of watch because if you look at what he did last year, I mean, he only rushed for three, four attempts last year. So I think you know, Coach Elliott saying that this week even surprises me um, is as it relates to quad because he, I mean, he's definitely not you know a statue in the pocket or anything like that. He moved a little bit last year, um, but he he wasn't a runner per se. So. We'll see. You know, we will definitely see on Saturday what he looks like when he's between the tackles.
2: And we also got the news that after previously Michele Colosurdo had been ruled out for the 2020 season because of the potential heart condition with COVID-19, he is cleared to do practice again, football activities and such. Uh, He's not going to be a situation where he's going to be you strapping on the helmet and in the depth chart ready to go right now, he's going to have to ramp up to full activities. And so I, I don't know that what it's going to mean for the, the rest of the season at all, if he's even possibly going to be able to play or not, but no matter what him being able to go through practice and just be around teammates, soaking up knowledge and all that's a positive, even if that's all ends up being for 2020 and he still ends up taking a red shirt, but encouraging that, They went through the right process. They stopped him from playing, shut him down when it seemed like there was an issue. And then as more tests came up, they cleared him and it's all the best news in the world that he doesn't have this hard thing to worry about right now. Yeah.
1: That's the most pressing kind of, quote-unquote breaking news since we've recorded last we wanted to get out to you guys uh let's shift over to talking about some positional previews for all of the defensive positions starting with defensive line how are we feeling about the panthers front four uh moving into this 2020 season
3: i'm excited um i'm definitely excited and the reason i'm excited is because I know that I've said this before and I don't want to get too high on myself for thinking this way, but I think if there is a year for Georgia state to really have a defense, you know, it doesn't need to be the best defense in the country or anything like that, but to truthfully stop the string of defenses that have just been, you know, an open door for yards and points, I think this is going to be a good defense have it and a big big part of that is going to be Dante Wilson you know as the nose guard Um, I think Dante Wilson had a phenomenal season last year and you know health withstanding I am you know hoping that he can replicate and even improve what he was capable of doing last year because Georgia State runs a 3-4 defensive scheme and you know, a lot of what Dante did was just suck up blockers and that allowed other guys to come off the edge for Georgia State and do different things. And he also was very good at penetrating. And, you know, he had, uh, I believe he had six, five sacks last year. Um, you know, so it's not like he wasn't getting after the quarterback either, but it is very, very important that he has a strong 2020 season if the defense is going to do anything.
2: Yeah. Um, agree on Dante and also just, he's been working hard. This is his fourth year. He's been either a key contributor or an actual starter his entire time. I uh, played behind Julian Laurent the first year, but he also played significant snaps then. Um, but he, he deserves to be on a good defense. He's he's put in the work. I mean, the seniors on this defense all do. Not to just say it's just Dante, but since we were talking about him. Uh, a few things from the initial depth chart we got that we'll work through as we go through the position previews just because it's out now as we're doing this. Uh, the first one is that true or redshirt freshman Jeffrey Clark is one of the listed defensive end starters. And that is interesting because... Freshmen don't always work their way onto to starting positions in the trenches like that. And so we had heard his name mentioned by Coach Elliott, and it seems like that's led to him getting a starting role. And I'm interested to see what he does. Fun fact, he's a GSU legacy guy. His dad went to Georgia State, if I'm remembering correctly, obviously didn't play in the football team. It's not like, you know, Frank Gore's kid. <laughs> who is somehow in the college football realm right now and making us all feel old. Um, but that's a little fun thing. I mean, Georgia State isn't really going to have that for a couple more decades where someone who played on the team is going to have a kid who's going to play on the team. But it's also just not happened that much in general just because just doesn't seem like it, the way it's worked out. There have been that many people from Georgia State whose kids have ended up playing on the team. So... Not to totally get sidetracked there, but I thought that was interesting.
3: No, it definitely is. It's always a nice feather, you know, in the cap of the program, if you will. If you, you know, ha- or the school, I guess, in this case. But you know, it's still nice to see that you have a guy whose parents went there, and you know, kind of continue that bloodline. That's very important. You know, and I, d- I did want to give the other kind of defensive lineman Hadrick Willis, you know, his credit and due. You know, he was named to the preseason All Sun Belt third team. By Athlon Sports. You know, he had a very strong 2019 season, all Sun Belt Conference honorable mention. And so, those three guys, you know, if they're being and wreaking havoc on the line, it could be a very, very successful season. And that could mask some problems in the secondary that we can discuss when we get there if they were to arise. Um, but definitely, I am very. Very excited to see what this unit of Wilson, Clark, and Willis are capable of doing here. It's going to be very important for them to be as strong and put out of the gate as possible.
2: And just, it's always the cliche you go with, but I mean, the trenches is where everything's set up. And in Nate Fuquay's best defenses at Watford, some of the leading tackle for loss guys in his defenses were interior linemen, even just defensive ends. And so being able to get see stuff running plays for losses, get to the quarterback, all that stuff. And, and even if it is your Wilson taking up a couple of blockers. And so that means a guy from the second level can come in and blitz or whatever. It's really where it's going to start. And it, it's, not ever been a glaring hole i mean the 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 run defense has been solid but for maybe giving up big plays on occasion through coach elliott's time here but it's it's never really reached that next level of being just really 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 annoying to play against and really just always finding a way into the backfield and so there's a lot of bodies there now that we've seen play and we feel good about not even just the starters, but just the rotation in general. And it's another position where rotation is important. And so interested to see what can happen there. It, it feels like if that happens, like you say, it can help out forcing some awkward throws to help out the secondary and just get the other team off the field.
3: Yeah. And we can kind of move behind the defensive line in kind of go towards the linebackers. Um, I don't know about you or anybody else here, but I really like this unit. And I would go as far as to say that this unit is probably the best on paper that Georgia state has defensively right now. Um, I think just the inside linebacking combo of Trajan, Stevens, McQueen, and Blake Carroll, um, I mean Trajan Stevenson, what he was the Georgia State leading tackler last year. Um, you know he was he was fifth in the Sun Belt in point in tackles per game. Excuse me, it was incredible batting down balls, getting interceptions. You know creating tackles for losses. You know, he had an incredible game with 20 tackles versus army, you know, a little inflated because they always run the ball, but still, I mean, that's the guy that you want to be anchoring your linebacker core. Um, I mean, I could sit here and talk about Trajan all day, but you know, we still have to talk about Blake Carroll. You know, we still have to talk about Victor Hayward, um, and we still have to talk about Jordan Strawn. You know, I think the linebacker group for Georgia state has a lot of depth. I think they have a lot of skill and I think their ceiling is going to be really high and very helpful for Georgia state to stop the run this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll start with my second thing that I teased that would, that caught my eye is the, or with Victor Hayward and John Trey Hunter. And I think that's probably a lot to do with whatever John Trey did in camp because we've seen Victor for three years and now it's his senior year. Like he he's a good outside linebacker uh, has gotten to the quarterback, come up with some fumble recoveries. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see what that means as far as where John Trey went. Cause he played in the bowl game last year, but that was the only game he played in not entirely sure what the situation is there, but he took a red shirt as a sophomore last year, but he's got three more years and he's already pushing for starting snaps against a, an established guy on this defense. So I don't know whether that means he's bringing something in the pass rush game or if it's the other way, if he's bringing something in coverage, but I'm interested to see how that manifests as we play these games. And like I said, it's a good group of inside linebackers. Happy that Jordan Strong's getting to get back out there. He got hurt in the Tennessee loss or sorry, he got hurt in the Tennessee win last year and was out the rest of the year, which was unfortunate, but. Like you say, it is obviously, you know, linebackers can contribute to both pass coverage and getting the quarterback. And I think having said what I said about the defensive line, we really can't be too picky about where pressures and stacks come from. If it isn't from the defensive line, but it comes from the linebackers and all the power to them for being the ones to make that final play. But I'll keep going back to it as we go through the preview. It's just the the thing that Georgia State's defense is going to need this year is just playmaking. That's going to be what sets them apart from past Georgia State defenses in that you can do bend but don't break, as is the general philosophy with this defense. But if you're not getting off the field and getting big plays with turnovers or with sacks or what have you and, and switching the momentum around, then Ben don't break is going to eventually break. And so that, that's why I think wherever it comes from, I'll keep going back to it, that someone's going to have to start making plays or some ones are going to have to start making plays on the defensive end other than just having a good Third down conversion stoppage rate.
3: Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's the the most important part. You know, we look at—you know—Fukui doesn't really like to bring blitzes. He, you know, he likes to create just kind of general pressure um, with just your three man rushes, or he'll put Hayward on the line and kind of create some four man rush. Um, but I feel like a lot of the. Let down, if you will, with the way that Georgia State has looked defensively has just been guys kind of being a little bit too passive on third down and giving up some stuff underneath. And that creates big plays for opposing team. Um, Or, you know, you'll have the linebackers being a little bit deep and. They're not really defending the first down marker, if that makes sense. And those are the type of plays that I think that this, as the season went on last year, you kind of saw the linebackers get a little bit better at that specifically. Um, And so I'm hoping that they have, you know, been really hammering that in practice and trying to tweak the philosophy a little bit. And because those big plays and, you know, making defensive impact plays is going to go a long way for Georgia state this year long way
2: and feels like a good transition there just because when you think big impact play you think interception you think pick six talk about the secondary
3: i don't know i don't know what to think about the secondary because on paper it looks good there's experience there's a lot of talent there's you know, it's a good, it's a group with good size, good speed. You know, there's one kind of surprise in the early season depth chart. It's a surprise if you are looking from last year to this year, and that's Antavius Lane, the redshirt freshman, going to be starting at safety this week. Um, coach talked him up a couple of times in the off season. So it shouldn't come to surprise if you're listening to what he's saying. Um, but I think that's the only name that really kind of jumps out at me, but I, I mean, I like the group. I like the, you know, Chris Moore, had a good season, last season, Quavion white. We've talked about him a lot. You know, he had that game saving interception against army. Um, you know, he's got great ball skills. I think there's a little bit of coverage skills that needed to be worked on with him, but you know, we've talked about him a lot. Jalen Jones as well. You know, he had a good season last season, you know, it's a very touch and go group. And I'm hoping that the experience of the group and the age really helps them be a better unit than they've shown to be in years past. Um, But I I don't know. I I truthfully don't know. I think the secondary is the biggest wild card on the defense.
2: With the the point you make that it could be a plus. I mean...
3: Right, right. It could be.
2: There's a lot of variability. Um, And like we were talking about, it was maybe a little surprise that we saw uh, Quay got second team preseason nod for Sunbelt just because... It wasn't necessarily like he he didn't get in the the sunbelt uh final team last year or the year before, um but I think there's a fair amount of people in the league who see what he does and know that he can play um it and I think it's it's betting on the upside. We talked about that when that news got announced a little bit, so I won't continue to hash on that but yeah it's it's a group it's a the general theme with the defense and since these are the last groups, I feel like it's a, a nice point to emphasize again uh, in, until we move on that there is a lot of experience. And if it's guys that have become juniors and seniors and have learned from past struggles or gotten confidence from past successes, whatever it is, uh, if the guys, coalesce together and start making plays and cut out some of the mistakes that have been there. It could be a good unit and spearheaded by this back end. I mean, I was very interested the way that coach characterized the safety pair because you've got Chris Moore, the UVA transfer who basically is going to be the steadying force kind of replacing if not in exact the 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 role they play in the defense what Remy was maybe doing last year and setting everything up and being kind of the, the center fielder who's got everyone lined up in the right place. And you kind of need that, especially for a team that's had struggles giving up big plays. And then the other safety, the freshman who's apparently forced himself into a starting role, Ant Lane, the hit stick as coach Elliott called him that apparently just loves making plays and creating havoc on defense. And that's something that isn't, something that's played out for Georgia state on defense a lot throughout the history, even on good defenses, there haven't been guys where year in year out, they're creating a lot of turnovers on their own and making just that play. And sometimes fair or unfair games can just come down to one guy deciding he's going to make a play on the defensive end and clinch the game. We did see that with Quay white with the uh, army interception to win that game last year, but it's something that, is like i said for basically all three levels now creating turnovers and getting off the field and creating momentum is the one thing that no matter what no matter what the rest of the defense does if they add that facet to their game it's going to be a better defense and it's going to be a better defense enough to win games but it isn't necessarily something where Georgia state has to move from categories where they're in the bottom of the country or wherever they're at to better than Alabama's defense. It just has to be that they improve and get to, you know, at least middle of the road. And from there, the team is going to be in a better place. And assuming the progress we hope we see from the offense and can continue to keep that train rolling, that will be a formula for a winning football team.
3: You hear that, guys? Just you know, play good, and you're gonna win games. Yeah, when I say it like that,
2: (laughs) I sound like a real jerk for just being on the sideline, being like, "Well, if you just do this, it's super easy." Come on! In my opinion, Georgia State
1: should just win. A little controversial of a take for this podcast. You know, I'm I'm here to deliver what the fans need to hear, not what they want to (laughs) hear. All right. And with all that said, where does that leave the Panthers heading into their season opener against Louisiana coming to visit Center Park Credit Union Stadium this coming Saturday? Um, One of the two ranked Sunbelt teams entering uh, this coming week of college football action that may be up in the air, depending on, you know, how they decide to incorporate now that the Big Ten has come back. But regardless, Georgia State, Louisiana, this coming Saturday, how do we feel?
2: And the football game is being played in Atlanta. I will be the first to admit that I didn't necessarily think we'd get to this point. And I know I'm not alone in saying that not a controversial thing to say, but you know, we can talk about all the uh the X's and the O's and everything, but it still feels significant that the season is even happening right now. And, you can talk about the positives or the negatives associated with that. And I don't really think that this is the forum to do that. But the first thing is just that there's a Georgia State football game this weekend.
3: Yeah, that on its own is exciting. You know, I'm excited to see, you know, what Quad can do. I'm excited to see how the receiving core is going to be. You know, Sam Pickney's back. You know, I'm excited to see how the running game is going to evolve. Um, You know, last year, Georgia State set multiple school records. And, you know, obviously Trey Barnett is no longer on the team through graduation. You know, Dan Ellington is no longer on the team through graduation. Um, And it's going to be really it's kind of like a fresh faces are here, even if there's a lot of guys coming back. Um, so it's, it's exciting in a way to see, you know, can they replicate similar success or do different things? And, you know, maybe quad's going to be a guy who's going to lead the Sunbelt in touchdowns and, you know, yards in the air or, or, you know, something like that. So I'm excited anytime a season starts, you know, it's exciting and you're hopeful that your team is going to do X, Y, Z. So it's good that there's football in Atlanta this weekend.
2: And that said, it's, it's a tricky matchup. I mean, they're obviously ranked. So that speaks for itself. They beat a big 12 team on the road last week. So that speaks for itself. It's not the same home opener that you were going to get when you're playing Murray state, which is a team that you were hoping you're going to win comfortably against and get some experience for everyone who wears the uniform that day. And it's not that, and not only that, it's a conference game. And I know that Coach Elliott talks a lot about ring games, and so he always attaches particular importance to these games and to conference openers, and there has been no live action before this one. This is the first chance the guys are going to get to go out there and play live football when Louisiana played last week. So a lot of these factors consigning to where the line is at minus 17 in favor of Louisiana, which... I'm not a, a, a odds guy, but I would not take those odds just because it seems like a very high line. You know, insert George, Louisiana wins by 30 now that I said that. But I I'd take nothing away from the win. Um, two special teams touchdowns and not at all an upset it was, it was a different result they won by 17 so it was obviously easier to say to people like it wasn't a close game but it was like we said last year when George State beat Tennessee where it didn't feel like an upset in the moment it felt like George State was the better team it felt like Louisiana was the better team and they were the ones who weren't making mistakes
3: Yeah, um, you know, I I echo a lot of those sentiments. Um, The two teams haven't played each other since 2018. And, you know, Louisiana is a much, much improved team. And I do think that kind of Georgia State matches up a little poorly with Louisiana. Um, I couldn't think of a single position group right now that I would say definitively, yes, Georgia State is better than Louisiana. Um, but that doesn't mean that Georgia state can't win the game. Um, it certainly sucks that Georgia state didn't have a game last week to play and kind of, you know, get a feel for what those 60 minutes feel like, you know, and I'm sure Louisiana is coming off a pretty big high that they just went into a big 12 team and, you know, (laughs) you know, they, they beat them. Like the final score wasn't really indicative of the game, but I mean, it was still, they shut out, um, a big 12 team in the second half like that absolutely matters. Um, But I don't know that I know enough about the 2020 Panthers to definitively say, you know, any which way, like there's just, we don't know anything, you know? Um, I think there's opportunity for Georgia state to run the ball. Well, Um, if the offensive line is playing well, I think that was one thing that I saw that Iowa state did fairly well against Louisiana. Um, I think It's going to be really important for Georgia State defense, for Georgia State's defense to defend the deep ball. Uh, uh, Levi Lewis, the Louisiana quarterback, really wanted to hit those home run balls over the top. Um, And he was a little bit erratic, but a lot of it was just good Iowa State defense. Um, That's going to be very, very important. Um, And if Georgia State can do kind of those things on defense and hang around on offense, anything truthfully is possible.
2: Yeah. So I guess I'll I'll run down a few of the things that would be points of concern for me. Um, The first thing is it is a lot easier said than done replicating a good power conference defense. So while you're right, the opportunity is there that Iowa state held on the score on the stat sheet, Louisiana, 218 rushing yards could just be that they're a good defense and that stopping the run is going to be something that they hang their hat on. And so given that Louisiana averaged over 250 rushing yards with largely the same team last year, I, it feels like you can't just be like, well, we'll, we'll hold them to to stopping to under, under 20 yards too. And that's going to go well. Um, so we'll see how much of what Louisiana was stymied with was about Iowa state or what if it was any legitimate point where Georgia state can exploit it. And the other thing is just in general, they took advantage of their opportunities. They got special teams. They took those two returns for touchdowns. And on that, I expect that coach Elliott is going to just not try and give them any chance to get any kind of return. I think we're going to see, rugby kicks all day, bouncing it away from the returner, making them feel a bouncing ball or just having them leave it and having it just get downed. I think we'll see him play some games with kickoffs where he kicks it to the tight end at the 30 yard line and makes them fair catch it instead of letting the guy return it, which that was the one thing is that they put it on tape that they're going on special teams. It's going to make teams very wary to give them a chance there. And the continuing on that point about taking advantage of situations, they forced Two turnovers and didn't commit any. And Levi Lewis threw for 3,000 yards last year and threw four interceptions. He was very careful with the ball, which you would expect from an upperclassman. And now he's a senior. And so, if you're going to talk about how limiting mistakes and not getting him in a turnover game, you're going to take the bet on the guy who's done it as basically his persona as a quarterback taking care of the football over a guy who hasn't started a college game quad could have a good game and take care of the ball. And I think that that's going to be something that's a big point of emphasis from the coaches to be like quad stay calm, don't put it in harm's way. But if you're looking at it as a neutral, you have to say the advantage there squarely with the senior. And so in that way, I think Georgia state's path to victory is a mistake free game where they can maybe capitalize on one mistake on whether it's forcing a fumble or forcing that bad play on the guy who doesn't make a lot of bad plays at quarterback. But I think that the, the singular way, short of just it being a random shootout game, Georgia state can get the win is just playing a clean game and come what may.
3: Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's, I mean, there's your game plan right there. And the thing is, is yeah, it's a tough ask.
2: But this is the type of win that I think if Georgia State wants to take that next level and want this to be, this is the second year we're going to be a winning program in a row instead of being bowl game, bad year, bowl game, bad year, and keeping that going. Like, yeah, life handed you kind of a crappy card where you... Lost your first two games, you're coming in cold to probably the best team to come to your stadium this year. So what are you going to do about it? Uh, It is just one of those moments where we'll see what Georgia State does to meet that moment. It's going to be. Hopefully a good game. The last point, which will be a little bit more flowery for Georgia State, we saw the Georgia State win over Tennessee, which was great and program defining, you could say. And we did see the next game against Furman. Georgia State didn't really have it in the first half and had to put a lot of offense together in the second, third, fourth quarters to come back and win that game. And so is Louisiana on too much of a high coming into this game? We'll see. Coach Napier's job is to keep them grounded and keep them focused. And we'll see how that goes. But that's definitely a factor to consider. We've, it's never out of the question with 18 to 22-year-olds that something like that is going to be a factor. That's just the nature of college football. If it was all about who who should win and who who is on paper gonna win, we wouldn't play the
3: games. I yeah. will say there is one thing I think does help Georgia State in a way. It's the fact that they didn't play Alabama last week, which they originally were supposed to.
2: Yeah, that's they, true. Th-
3: that, the, the
2: that State that, lost game the, the game you lost with Murray State is a much bigger loss than <laughs> losing being a 50-point underdog to Alabama or whatever crazy line they'd put it at.
3: Yes, and I totally agree. Um, I definitely think there is some merit to losing that Alabama game in terms of preparation for Louisville. I don't know how much. you know That remains to be seen, but you know, not having to go to Tuscaloosa could potentially do a lot. Um, plus, there's one thing that we're forgetting. We're forgetting about the Sunbelt Ranch curse. Obviously Louisiana is going to lose this week because Sunbelt teams can't remain ranked for more than one week. App state's going to lose this week too. Either someone's
2: going to break the curse or Georgia state's going to have a win against a ranked opponent. I like option two. You know, I mean, if this get season had played out like normal, I'll say this, even if Louisiana beat Iowa state, if this was just a totally normal season, it's probably not a ranked Louisiana. It, you can't speculate that far out, but assuming there's a full 128 team FBS and all the power conferences are playing, it feels at least less likely they'd be ranked. And so this is a, an opportunity. Turn it into a talking point, whatever. Louisiana's a ranked team and Georgia State can go get that first ranked opponent. An opportunity that wouldn't have been there otherwise. So I guess since you brought it up, the Sunbelt curse and the ranked teams, before we get out of here, we should probably talk about Sunbelt had a good week. So about a really good week.
3: Really good week.
2: So we, we've talked enough about uh, Louisiana's win over Iowa State, 31-14. Arkansas State goes into Little Manhattan, beats Kansas State. And <laughs> I guess this one seems the least like an upset, especially because David called it. Coastal went up and handled Kansas. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, you, <now laughs> you didn't say that. You were I, talking in terms of like – Marable runs for a lot of yards, and Coastal does enough to win, which is sort of how the game went last year.
3: Yeah.
2: Because now we, we're talking about two times Coastal has beaten Kansas, and it's a three-game series. They go back to Conway next year. I, I don't know what the thinking was there.
3: Yeah, that's that
2: seems odd. Uh, but it was a good week for the Sun Belt – well, I, I inelegantly tried to make this point last week, I think, but especially with the Big Ten coming back now, you don't know how, how long this time where the Sunbelt is going to have this spotlight where their games are getting picked on game day and where their games are on these big TV spots like Georgia State's on ESPN2 at noon this Saturday. So make the most of it and get people to notice the Sunbelt right now. It might not even last this whole year if the Big Ten comes in and they start getting these ESPN spots. If the Pac-12 starts up again and they start getting more of the ESPN spots. So this first month might be the most exposure the Sunbelt as a conference gets. And the opportunity is there for you to get eyeballs and have people realize these guys can play.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people have not been clued into how – competitive and how much talent has been kind of influxed in the Sunbelt, at least since about 2016. You know, I mean, in the last two years, I believe the Sunbelt is one of like three conferences with an above 500 bowl record, you know, and it's a lot of people just think it's, oh, it's just App State beating up on everybody. And, you know, that's definitely not the case. The Sunbelt is a very competitive conference. Um, And I think that I'm hoping, like you said, that a lot of people get some eyes on, you know, probably not as frequently watched g 5 conferences should be.
2: So it's the noon game on ESPN2. So I feel like we could get old takes and this doesn't actually happen. I feel like Georgia State, Louisiana will be a game day selection and the Saturday selections to end college game day this week. So. I'll open this up to everyone who, how many of the people pick Georgia state to win?
1: Um, I mean, I don't necessarily think any of the like talking heads will pick the upset here, especially after the showing that Louisiana had against Iowa state. That doesn't mean anything about how I feel about whether Georgia state has a chance to win or not, but just, Based on my experience watching those shows, I don't think that any of them will swing Georgia State, unless it's just to be contrarian and just pick the upset.
0: Yeah, I don't think we even know enough about this team to say one way or the other, because Louisiana's played the game, yeah, sure, but we don't know what Quad's going to be like starting as the starting quarterback. We don't know what kind of developments have been made at other positions in practice. We know in theory, but I don't think it's easy for us to make a decision one way or the other i'm not i'm not going to put that in my
2: mouth i mean i'll say that i agree that probably it's a clean sweep of louisiana picks but i will say this college game day also has the super dog pick where they pick teams to beat the spread and it's usually teams that have a pretty decent spread against them and sometimes outright win i will say that someone and I'll go ahead and just put it on a limb and just say Reese Davis for the fun of it is going to yeah. pick Georgia State as the super dog because it's a 17 point line. Like I talked about earlier, that's it's a really big line. And so I think someone's going to pick Georgia State and be like, well, it's a big line. It's a team coming off a high. So they play a little closer. Um, so that, that's my I wanted to work around back to that so I can throw my prediction. in. David's not the only one who's going to make. Lofty predictions that may or may not come true. <laughs> In fairness, David, they've come true. He called, he called Tennessee. <laughs> he called Coastal. Yeah, it is a very
3: weird record, he should, but you should call it getting a lot of
2: tickets this week.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, guess, I could. I could definitely see Georgia State covering if that's your lofty prediction. I, um, oh no, I think my that's lofty reasonable.
2: Prediction is just specifically that someone picks them as the superdog on game day. It's not even nothing to do with the game. The superdog yeah gotta watch game day man oh well up until
0: I guess this Saturday this will be the first Georgia State game that I have not been in attendance working quote unquote as a member of the band or working at a job that does not allow me to watch the game so I've never actually watched college game day
2: believe it or not wow it's quality you gotta change that this Saturday
0: yeah yeah. Get me a uh, literally any TV subscription and I'll get right on
2: that We'll talk offline. Uh, Last, I guess, just to cover our bases on that. The schedule for the Sunbelt this week, Campbell, who gave Southern the biggest run for their money uh, last Saturday, plays Friday night at Coastal. App State and Marshall play. And that one's interesting because App State got the CBS bump. That game is now on big CBS instead of the CBS Sports Network. So, that is in theory the most eyeballs just because CBS football usually gets a lot of coverage. Granted, SEC big game is usually in that spot. So, we'll see how much of a drop there is, but it's still really cool for App State to be in that lofty 330 CBS spot. Um, Florida Atlantics playing Georgia Southern and there's some maybe COVID <laughs> stuff going on with that game, but it sounds like that they are planning on still playing the game as of recording. Troy plays Middle Tennessee, and this is also Troy's first game of the year. So after this week, everyone in the Sun Belt will have played a game. And Texas State and ULM is also a conference game, and that one's on ESPNU. And Arkansas State did have their game canceled, and we're not really sure what that's going to lead to the future with this, but. I guess (laughs) a a point to end with all that talk, just to bring that up as a point of this season is just going to be a weird year where stuff like this is just going to happen, where games are going to be off and college football in 2020 is going to be unlike any other year we have. And that's just how it's going to be.
3: Got to ride the
2: wave.
1: Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Real quick before we go, got a quick uh, little spot to plug. Our own Brady Weiler was a guest on the Rage and Review podcast. This is another uh, similar situation to ours covering Louisiana sports, so be sure to go check that out, and we'll have links to that on our social media. And be sure to look out for a written preview of this week's game coming up on uh, sometime later this week, and that'll be available on the website. That'll be linked on social media as well. Other than that, thanks for listening guys. Have a great rest of your week. See ya. Ah.
0: Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises LLC on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford with assistance from co hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments or to request information on on advertising and corporate partnerships contact the show on twitter facebook and instagram as at thursday night or via email at thursday at gmail.com